Turn to your neighbor and say, Vision Sunday is starting now. Vision Sunday. <laughs> um, so I'm going to read from a super familiar passage when, it, when people talk about vision. This is Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And, I'm, um, and by the way, if you want to follow along on our church app, the notes are right on our church app, and you can follow along there. I encourage you to uh, take notes in your phone. If you're a CLA student and you're not taking notes and I see you, I'm coming for you on Tuesday personally, okay? That'll wake up all the CLA students, okay? Because note takers are? All right, praise the Lord. You, this, you know, your mind will forget, you know, and so the pen and pencil help you remember. Proverbs 29, 18 says, if, if people can't see, if you can't see what's going, what's, what God is doing, what happens is you stumble all over yourselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you help us see your vision. I pray that you make it descript, that you make it uh, in a deliberate way that you would touch our hearts with the vision of the church that people say is their church. This is, this is Connect Church, and if this is their home, I, help them, I pray that you help them to see the vision clearly, Lord God. Help me to make it plain. Help me to do a good job in explaining it and, and training it into us. Train and explain the body of Christ, Lord Jesus, so that we can carry the vision out as you see and as you desire for us. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. You know, have you ever been, um, let's think about sports because, of course, there's a Super Bowl uh, tonight, which I don't really care as much about, you know, as, as I used to. But um, I'll still be there. I'll still be there. Um, but have you ever gone to like, uh, some, how many have kids? Got kids? Raise your hand if you got kids. Praying for you right now, interceding. Uh, if you got kids under like the age of six, seven, you know, have you ever been to like a soccer game for like a five-year-old? <laughs> We're going to soccer game, dad, you know. You're five years old, right? And, you, and, 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 the, and the kids are out on the field. And what is going on? That's what I'm thinking. You know, I'm watching just a ball is going all over their place. It's a scramble. It's, it's an absolute mess. It's an absolute crazy mess. They can't see what I can see, that there is a purpose for this game. And that ball is not just supposed to, you're not supposed to run by it, jump over it, look at it, pick it up and give it to your friend, bring it over to the sideline for dad to see and sign it. No, we're supposed to score goals. We're supposed to get it right past a certain line in a certain place in a certain way and it's super cute when it's when it's kids though right but when it's a bunch of grown adults who are coming to play soccer and they don't know kind of what they're doing and where they're going and what, and what we're up to that's what this verse is saying it's basically saying that when a church doesn't know what's going on we end up stumbling all over ourselves it's a just real real like clear my goal would be for someone to come into our church from a first-timer to one of my overseers and sur survey the church and say, hey, what's the vision of the church? Can you just tell me, just a random person, they can just, hey, can you just tell me the vision of the church? Hey, can you just tell me, like, what are we about? What's our why? What's our, what's our what? How do we do it? What's our strategy? Like, what are you guys doing? What's, what's, what are you guys, if you don't know that, then that person is basically saying, why do I want to follow that? These people are just stumbling all over their, themselves in a sense, right? We're not just gathering uh, just to gather out on the field and dance around a ball. We have a purpose. 
We have a plan for why we do church. Are you with me, everybody? So we need to know what God is doing. So periodically, two, three times a year, I'm going to just refresh the vision. And if you heard the vision before, good for you. Praise the Lord. My question is, could you come up here and communicate it? Could you give it away to somebody else? Has it, has it been grafted to your heart? Because we're all a part of this vision, if you call it home. Amen? So when it comes to vision, we need clarity. And today is making sure we're really clear on kind of what Connect is all about. Let me give you some context. I want to give you, first of all, I'm going to talk about the why we exist as a church. Then I'm going to talk about the what, you know, we do to fulfill the why. And then I'm going to give you some language, okay? Like, this is kind of like Connect language. Language is what affects our culture, Okay, and the culture of a church is so important. You can you can go into two different churches and three different churches, five different churches, and um, you can walk in, and the the why and the what might be the same, but the culture feels completely different. So culture is very very important, and it's really important that we speak the same language. The Bible tells us that in Genesis it tells us that when they people speak the same language, there's nothing they can't accomplish. And so language affects our culture. Language affects also our behaviors. But as it relates to our church, just a little history, uh, a little background um, that you may not realize. If How many, in fact, just by a show of hands, all campuses, you've been coming to Connect for less than two years? Raise your hand. Less than two years. Okay. All right. First service, there's probably about a third. I don't know what it's like in the services over there. I imagine the newer campuses is pretty new. And um, in our second service, we'll see. But this is why we do this, because sometimes you wouldn't know the history of our church. But this church is about 40 years old, okay? And the chronology of the church is difficult uh, to, to kind of describe because we have had different changes and iterations and modifications to the vision. But my daddy started it. My dad... Uh, was the founder of, of this ministry. It had a different name at the time. Um, it had a couple different names, you know? And, and so uh, eventually we were called Metro West Worship Center and we were called Center instead of Church because we had these other entities connected to our, our ministry. My father started a child care center and he started a private Christian school and then he started uh, a mission in the Dominican Republic. And so... My dad was more the pioneer. I have a pioneer spirit as well, but I kind of see in the, the legacy of this ministry, I'm more the builder. What, what was given to me, I feel a responsibility to make better, to make stronger, to make more impactful. Are you with me, everybody? And so everything since then has just grown and gotten more healthy and uh, robust as a, as a ministry. I've been pastoring, uh, I've been in ministry for 30 years, but I've been the senior pastor nearly 20 years now which is hard to believe. I know you're looking at me saying, he's so young, that's impossible. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate all that. In your heart, I can hear your hearts. Um, but uh, but, but I've been, ministry has been a big, big part of our family life. Our, 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 our family is a legacy family. My father uh, is a converted atheist who found Jesus. My mother was a backslidden uh, Christian who rededicated her life to the Lord. And then our family got on fire for God. And and then I found the call of God when I was in college. I, I really felt like God was directing me to, to be in ministry. Um, and, and then uh, it went into ministry. And the same thing has happened with really all my children. My greatest legacy is all my children love Jesus. They love the local church. Uh, my son is, is the third generation uh, pastor in this ministry. Many of you guys know Pastor Devin and heard him many times. And uh, he's my plan A, praise the Lord. So... Uh, for for uh, this ministry. So that's a little background on that, but I want to say how Connect came to be. 
uh, Connect Church. We, we originally called Connect Community Church. But as you saw in the video, on April 11, 2011, at 2.30 in the morning, I was on a retreat at my in-law's house. Pray for me. A retreat at your in-law's house. I was balling on a budget back then, everybody, okay? That's that, that, those are the kind of retreats that we had. No, but my, my in-laws, I love my in-laws. We call them our in-loves. And, um, and so they had a huge house, and I just stayed on their basement, in their basement floor for a couple of days. And I had to get away to get to God. How many ever have to do that once in a while? You got to, like, get away, unplug, detach from all the crazy nuts in your world. And, and I'm going there for one sole purpose, is I needed to hear from God. Because we had gone, we had done everything in man's capacity capacity to try to re-vision uh, the vision of our church. We had gone through a branding process. We hired com a company. I had a specialist that could help us, you know, kind of figure out who we are and where we're trying to go. And I was so frustrated at the end of that process. They came up with these different names, and I'm like, it ain't that one, bad English, good preaching. It ain't that one, it ain't that one, it isn't that one. And, and at the end of it, I was just like, we went through all of this to get to that? And I remember this, this brother in our church, he, he was a strong, mature believer. He put his arm around me, and he was heading up the process. I was mad at him, and he's got his arm around me. And, and he could probably feel it. But anyway, he's like, Pastor, I just want you to relax. Don't worry about it. This is exactly what's supposed to happen. Now we've got all that confusion out of your head so you can hear from God. Now you just need to go away. And you need to, I'm like, you tell me to go away? Wait a second. You need to go away, and you need to pray, and God's going to speak to you. And sure enough, April 11, 2011, 2.30 in the morning, I wake up, and, and it was supernatural because I don't like to wake up at 2.30 in the morning. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Certainly back then. But, um, but I get up, and I get this download. I mean, it was, it was inspiration. It was, it, I, I just want to say that just from, for the story and for what it's worth. I knew it was from God. It felt supernatural. And I actually had... Um, I, I can draw a little bit, so don't hold me to this. But anyway, I, I had a pad of, uh, of paper, and I had a pencil, and I began to draw. I began, I had this rendering. And it felt like, you know, uh, it looked good, so it had to be God. But anyway, it was coming out pretty good. And, and the first thing, I'm like, what am I drawing? And, and all of a sudden, I realized I'm drawing. Uh, he showed me that, that people are power cords. I, I saw a power cord. And one had an, an, an inlet, and one had an outlet. Is everybody tracking right? Everybody see me in their mind's eye? I saw a power cord. And he, he basically, I'm like, what is this? And what is the point of this? And he's like, power cords and people, they're the same thing. And what, what happens is that people need a source to plug into. And they need an outlet to release all that they've got from that source. They can't just have one without the other. They need both. Are you with me, everybody? And, and I believe that God was trying to say that in order for people to carry the power of God, they needed to, they needed to plug into Jesus, and they needed to plug into their purpose. Are you with me? We, we don't just go to Jesus just to get filled. You know, those are weird Christians. Those become flaky, flighty Christians. You, you, anybody know any of them? Don't look around. Right? The spooky spirituals. You know what I mean? They're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. They're just like balloons. Ah, oh, Jesus. You know, and they're up there. But they're not touching heaven. They're, they're touching heaven, but they're definitely not touching earth. And that's because they've connected to a source, but they haven't connected to their purpose. And their purpose is what's supposed to happen down here on earth. So our vision, if we distilled it, and it really has gone through some modifications, is we exist to connect the disconnected. 
We exist to connect the disconnect. Can we all say that all campuses? We exist to connect the disconnected, everybody. And so it's, it's simple. It's portable. It's memorable. It's transferable. I want you to have that. All of you go get tattoos. That No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but this is our why. This is why we exist as a church. We exist to connect people who are disconnected from Jesus and their purpose. Many, many millions and millions of people. Uh, some statistics say one of my close friends just got a job for Barner Group. And, and, and many, many statistics say there are billions of people who are still not uh, converted and still not saved, still not born again. Are you with me, everybody? And so we need people to connect to Jesus. But we also need to connect uh, to our purpose. And he wants to give us that purpose. So the reason, another reason I want to give you the vision is because I'm, I, God gave me the vision, but we all carry it. We all carry the vision. And by the way, your vision can be fulfilled within this vision. There's room. And you'll see that in a little bit as we go forward. So our thought is when it relates to connecting people to Jesus, for example, this is just a little conviction. This, I, call, I call people who don't know the Lord... I call them pre-believers. Everybody with me right now? So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I, if you're listening online and you don't, you don't know Jesus uh, personally, I was going to say formally, I don't really like that, but personally, I think you're a pre-believer because here's my conviction. I believe if you knew what I knew, you would want what I have. Yes. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so people, that's how we should communicate. We're not communicating. Them heathen, them, you know. Followers of Satan, you know, no, that, that's ridiculous. They just don't know. And so we have a job, therefore, to communicate, to share and care enough where we can give them this truth and this reality. Are you with me, everybody? Because some are saved in this room. Some are saved in, in all locations that are listening. You have your eternal security. You have what I call the when and then worked out in your life. But many people, most Christians in my experience, might have the when and then worked out, but they don't have the why you're here worked out. You don't have your purpose part worked out. And this is what we'll get into in, in, a, in a way. And, and while I'm at it, a conviction of this vision is everybody, listen, everybody is disconnected in some way at some level. So we all can get connected not only connected once, but we get connected again. Or we could say we get connected and then we get connected even more. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is good so far. Oh, the, the, the sincerity of the Ashland campus is overwhelming. I appreciate, appreciate. Uh, John chapter 15. Here's what Jesus said it like this, okay? Just so we have some Bible here. It says, he spoke, he said, remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch. We're the branches, by the way, according to this verse. We are the branches. He is the vine. We are the branches. He says, remain in me. I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. That's what we try to do, don't we, though? We're an independent society. We are, we love, you know, back in the day, it was like the Lone Rangers is the Lone Danger. We, we, we you know, we, we don't want a Tonto in our life. We don't want Jack Bauer. We don't, we, we have all these people in our life with Superman. We all want to do things by ourselves, but, but God is saying, no, you can't do it by yourself. You have to be connected to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit or a flute. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If, everybody say if, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear a lot of fruit because there's good soil and you're connected to the vine. But apart from me, the Bible says you can do nothing. 
apart, disconnected from God. We can't do anything. Well, yes, I can. Let me just let me qualify that or correct that. I can do something. Yeah, you can do some things, but are they meaningful? Are they meaningful? Are they making a difference? He knows, he knows what he's talking about. Jesus said this, everybody, not Pastor Derek. That is why we need to get connected and stay connected and even get more connected. That's what our church is all about. So once you get connected, we encourage people to be a part of what we call a spiritual family. I'm actually teaching on that later today. We're designed to connect people to a spiritual family, and we want to help them connect to the current of Christ, like the power source, the current of Christ, amen? But we're the power cords. Those are the people. And so we have an inlet. We have an outlet. And so once that happens for you, your role is to help people make that connection. It's not just, oh, I'm connected. I'm good. Praise the Lord. Jesus, come back soon. No, your job now is to be a connector uh, to the current of Christ. That's our big idea. We are connectors to the current of Christ. You're all connectors. I dub thee in the name of Jesus connectors at all campuses. You are, turn your name and say you're a connector. And so we're not alive today just to have Jesus go in us. We're alive today to have Jesus go through us. Amen. Amen. You know, it reminds me of a story. I heard this story about the late great, and when I say great, I mean with total humility, Billy Graham. How many big fans of the late great Billy Graham? It's hard to believe that he's gone, but one, one, there's a story told. One day he gets off, he's, he's finishing crusade, he gets off his jet, and, and, he, and he's heading for home, and there's a driver there uh, with a limousine to pick him up. And this time he decides for some reason he wants to do something different. And instead of getting into the back seat of the car, he comes around to the driver and he says, you know, I don't know what the young man's name was. He says, young man, would it be okay just this once? I've never done this before ever in my career, ever in my life. If I could just drive us home. Can I just drive home? You get in the back, I get in the front, and I drive home. And so the guy's like, you know, he's 87 years old at this particular time. And so the guy's, what do you say to an 87-year-old? No, is what you should say to an 87-year-old. You should say no, you know, absolutely. But this guy didn't say that, so the driver's like, sure. He responds, he goes ahead. Minutes later, Dr. Graham is, uh, he's, he's going through a red light, passes through an intersection. There's a rookie cop on the side of the road observing this whole experience. Woo, woo, you know. Chases the limousine down. The limousine pulls over. The limousine finds the, excuse me, the rookie cop finds the limousine going 70 miles per hour in a 55-mile-an-hour zone. And, and uh, after he pulls him over, he's, he comes up alongside of the car, you know, uh, knocks on the window. The window comes down, and he's surprised to see who's in the driver's seat, right? And so he, he kind of steps back, excuse me, uh, I'm going to need to call this in. And he kind of backs up. And he calls back to the station. He says, you know, uh, you know I'm new on the, on the, on the force, and I, and I know I'm supposed to enforce the laws. And, but sometimes my understanding is there are important people who deserve certain courtesies, you know, in these type of situations. And so I think this might qualify. And so the, the dispatch says, well, is it the governor? And so he says, no, it's way more important, way more important than that. He goes, well, is it the president? And, and the cop says, no. It's way more important than that. You're not going to think, well, well, who could it be? Well, the chauffeur is Billy Graham, so whoever's in the back seat is probably Jesus. <laughs> Here's my point. We cannot hide Jesus 
in the back seat of our lives, everybody. We got to get Jesus out there in the open. You're not just supposed to connect to a source. You're supposed to help other people be connectors to the current of Christ. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's funny. I don't care what he says. All right. So our purpose, now we're going to get in out of the why. That's the why. Now we're going to get into the what. All right. Now we're getting into the what. The what is kind of like, what are we up to? You know, what's, what's the point of this? That's why, but what? The why motivates the what. The why is the inspiration behind the perspiration, the work that we're going to do. Why would we do this if we don't have our why? Okay? And so I can spend a whole hour on the why just to try to make that more real to you, but for the sake of time, I won't. So here's our purpose. Our purpose is to take people on a life-changing spiritual journey. Our purpose is to take people on a life-changing spiritual journey. All campuses, all locations, let's say that. Our purpose is to take people on a life-changing spiritual journey, journey, journey. Now, here's the conviction behind this idea. Generally speaking, people, when they come to a decision, an intersection in their life where they realize they can't do life without God, like Jesus said a few minutes ago in John chapter 14, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing, verse 5, right? Once people come to that realization, whatever brings them to that point, it's, it could be a testimony, for a story from somebody else. It could be a painful circumstance and situation. Whatever it is that brings them to that decision, what happens in that moment is their hearts are changed, just like that. And we give people that opportunity by hearing the word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so every week we, we sow the word of God. And then at the end of that sowing service, we give people an invitation to make that declaration, to decide, I want to make Jesus my Savior and my Lord. Is everybody tracking so far? Okay. And so that decision, it's, it's legit in most instances. People are sincerely, uh, what we do is we say, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand in a few minutes. I'm going to pray for you. And in that moment where we pray for people, they are transferring their trust from themselves, saving themselves or trusting in someone else to trusting in the, the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he did for you 2,000 years ago and how he paid your debt and you couldn't pay your debt by yourself. Is everybody with me? By the shedding of his blood, your sins have been removed. That moment is real. It's significant when people say yes to that. Okay? So your heart can be changed. We say in a second. But your life, more than likely, is changed over time. It is a process. And it's as many steps along the way on that path or in that process. Is everybody tracking so far right now? Okay. And so that decision is like a spark to life change. It's the spark. You had a mind. You had a body. It was alive and well, too alive and well. And you, but you had a spirit that God, that God put there that was dormant. You were dead in Christ. You were dead in your trespasses, the Bible says. But once you transferred that trust to Jesus, this is better preaching right now than I realized. Once you transfer that trust to Jesus, then it's like the old school ovens where the pilot light comes on. There's a little, a little fire comes on underneath that oven. You know, when you turn the burner on to boil some water, right? That's what happens when you give your life to Jesus Christ. The pilot light comes on, right? But how many know there's still a bunch of change and a bunch of work that needs to be done? Okay? So behind the scenes, we say your heart changed in a second, but we say your life has changed in a system. 
It needs process. It, ha it has steps to it. And so we want to get you out of just decision into becoming a disciple. And Jesus instructed the church not to go into all the world and make decisions. He instructed the church and those that follow him who are connectors to the current of Christ to go into all the world and make disciples. That's different than decisions, everybody. One is real, but one is way more important. Okay, so the summary is we want people to surrender their heart to God. Absolutely. But we want to have and help people surrender their life to Jesus Christ and to follow his plan for their life. Listen, so they'll actually be fulfilled more, more, more. You'll have true fulfillment, actual joy. Are you with me, everybody? So we believe this can happen through the local church. Through the local church. Ephesians 3.10 says, through the local church, the manifold wisdom of God is made known. That means the full plan, the process, the path that God has for you, you know where it's made known? Through the church. Everybody say, through the church. Come on, give somebody a Pillsbury Dough poke, poke, poke and say, it's through the church. That that's where it happens. That's where it happens. The full plan. So what we try to do at Connect and what we see in the scriptures is, that the church needs to have authentic community, emphasis authentic, yeah. not fake, yeah. not phony, not religious, not pompous. You can say pompous differently, right? You know what I'm saying? You guys can figure out what I'm saying by that in a second. But anyway, I'm talking, I'm saying authentic, like real, because fake is exhausting. People are tired because they're fake. Right? So in and amidst authentic community, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, we gather together and we're supposed to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So we don't just hang out, have a good time, but we also, we do that. We absolutely do that. We have fun and praise the Lord, hopefully food, and, but we're also supposed to accomplish something. We're supposed to have relationship with intentionality that equals discipleship. It's not just relationship equals discipleship. That's what the world offers, and it fails. It's not just intentionality or a purpose or an agenda without relationship. That fails, too. It's relationship plus an intentionality, a purpose, equals disciples. Amen. This, this uh, service is starting to wake up. Praise the Lord. So how do we do this? Now, I went why, what, now how? Okay, so here's our strategy. Four things that we do as a church, and this path is all through the Bible. And basically a path that you walk on, the Bible says we walk by faith, right? We walk by faith. So how, how do we walk this faith journey out? We have to take steps. You have to take steps. So I'm going to give you steps right now. Uh, but more importantly, I want to help you see where you are on the journey and more specifically, what is your next step? So when you leave today, this is where I am and this is what's next. Is that helpful for anybody out there right now? Now, this journey is all over the Bible. It's in the book of Exodus, Old Testament. If you study the Old Testament, the, the, the people of God is the church today in the New Testament. The people of God in the Old Testament was Israel. And you can just see their journey. And their journey is what I'm going to explain to you. We've just got a modern vernacular to it. But the same journey that's in the Old Testament, Exodus 6 describes this, is the same journey we see actually all throughout the Bible. You can see it in the book of Colossians. You can see it in uh, the Great Commission in Matthew 28. You can see it in uh, one of the texts we're going to use today, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. It's all over the Bible. And God basically communicates this process, this path, and these steps and he uses little different words, but they all have the same process, the same steps. It's, it's very, very clear throughout the scriptures, and we've just put it in terms that you and I can understand very easily. So here's what 
and where we start this journey. It all starts with helping people know God. Everybody say, know God. I'll give you all four of them real quick, then I'll unpack them. We've got to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. So our vision is to connect the disconnected because, at some, because we believe at some level, in some way, everybody's disconnected. Our purpose is to take people on a life-changing spiritual journey, but how we accomplish that is we want to help first people know God, second, help people find freedom, third, help people discover their purpose, and fourth, help people make a difference, and that's all throughout the Bible. And how, excuse me, what that is, is a mandate from God's Word. Those steps is a mandate. How it's accomplished can be different depending on what church you go to. Is everybody okay? All right, praise the Lord. And so here, it starts with God, knowing God. Now, when we say knowing God, just for those, especially those of you that are listening online and new here, we're not talking about head knowledge. We're not talking about just reading your Bible, going to church. This isn't about doing time. This is about redemption of your time in this life. We, I want you, God wants you to come to a personal, uh, transformational relationship through, by meeting and by inviting Jesus Christ into your life, that is possible. And he wants, you, he wants you to know how much he loves you and how much he wants to be actively involved in your life. He loves you so much that God the Father sent his only son into the world. That through him, through his son, you could be saved and know everlasting life. John 3.16. Are you with me, everybody? And that, that decision gives you eternal security. But, but let me unpack something that some people miss. John 17, 3 says, this then is eternal life that they might know thee, Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So eternal life does not begin when you die. Eternity begins when you come to know Jesus Christ and whom to know aright is life eternal. When you meet Jesus, your eternity began. Your relationship began with him. It just happens to start in this life, but it's going to go into the next life. But eternity begins when you meet Jesus Christ. That's good preaching. Amen. And so uh, for you to, so now you've made a change of the will, but how do you keep it? My dad used to say, sometimes we make a change of the will, but how do we keep it going up the hill <laughs> when things get tough? All right? So the next thing we need to do, we need to find freedom. Turn to your neighbor and say freedom. freedom. Now, this is where, listen, this is where most people are stuck. Literally, most of the church is stuck right here. Now, I'm never, I don't think we get completely uh, and totally 100% free because I think we'd be walking on water and I think we'd be doing incredible things. But I do think we're progressively getting more free until Jesus comes back. But some of us are at a, at, a, at a bondage level or a brokenness level where our hurts and our habits, our hang-up got us so tied up, we can't move forward in this journey. We have to get to a certain level so that we can move forward on this spiritual journey. Are you with me, everybody? And so you know that there are things that you do in your life that are disappointing to God. You also would say they're disappointing to you, if you're honest. And, and most people are living in the rearview mirror. They're living looking through their yesterdays. They're not, they're not looking through a clean conscience and a clean windshield uh, for the future of their life. And, and so the enemy tries to convince you that because of your yesterdays and because of the things that you've done to disappoint him, uh, that you can't have a purpose and a hope for your future. And that's summarily wrong. And so the enemy goes on to say, you have to change in order for you to be a life changer for other people. But that's not true. You don't change your life to get to God. You get to God to change your life. Amen. Hey! Amen. You get to God to change your life, okay? 
And the best place to get to that life change is not all by myself. I want to be. No, it's with others who are like-minded, pursuing a same God, a powerful God. Are you with me? You find it, and that's how you work through those things because you're going to find also they're not perfect either. And there's something powerful about that. Oh, you're not perfect? I'm not perfect. Hey, can we be friends? You know, we are the perfect church for imperfect people. Imperfect people, all right? So then, once that happens, when you come to a a certain um, level of freedom that God will reveal to you, this is where now you are ready to, it's almost like, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I'm going to do songs to help you guys remember this message. I can see all obstacles in my way. All right, now that you've got, you know God, now that you've found freedom, it's fun. It's fun in church, right? We should have fun, okay? Now you can discover your purpose, everybody. Everybody say purpose. You will discover that you are here on purpose for a purpose. God designed you for something. He designed you to do something. And so now you don't have to look through the rearview mirror anymore. And when that happens, he's going to reveal to you that you have gifts. When you gave your life to Jesus, you had certain uh, gifts that he bestowed upon you. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, okay? It comes from him. And so he has these gifts for you. And so now the fun part is, where are they? What are they? And what do they mean? It's like a treasure, a treasure, uh, you know, like a journey for a treasure. You get to figure out, oh, my gosh, that's how I'm made? Oh, that explains this. That explains this. You know when you've done a personality test, if you've ever done that, and, you, and there's some things that you like, oh, that makes sense now. Now I understand why I'm that way. God wants to do that for you with your gifts. 87% of the Christians do not know their spiritual gifts. That's why we do what we do. And if you can live and operate in your design then you will get to your destiny. So when you give your life to Jesus, he changes your desires. And then when you, you give your life to Jesus and get free, then he helps you discover your design. If, if, I, if, everything, if I had a water bottle up here, it reveals its design. The way it's made is descri- describing its purpose. You all have a design that's related to your purpose. And so then when you figure that out, the last thing is we help people make a difference. And get this in you. This is a secret sauce to life and society. You are here for something bigger than you and your problems. You are here to make a difference. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to make a difference. I call it moving from a lint picker Christian to a Christian leader. You heard me do this before? A lint picker Christian is people are spending their whole lives, oh my gosh, there's a problem on my sweater. Oh my gosh, there's another problem in my sweater. Four problems, five problems, six problems, seven problems. You will spend the rest of your life fixing yourself. If you don't let God introduce you to a bigger problem, you'll spend your whole life lint-picking all your individual problems. That's the secret. And you don't do that by yourself. You do it with other people, everybody. I'm going to run out of time. So let me give you what the enemy tries to do to, to dissuade you, to thwart this plan. He offers a counterfeit. Everybody say counterfeit. counterfeit. So what he does is the devil always offers a counterfeit, and it almost looks the same. It makes certain promises, but it can never deliver on those promises. The devil's been doing this forever. And so the counterfeit life is to know me instead of know God. Know me. Life is about me, 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 me. 
I'm going to do music all day. It doesn't matter. And the devil's real sneaky about this because he does everything through culture, you know, secular, counseling. You go to secular counseling. You're like, how are you feeling today? Well, I'm, I'm unhappy. You know, well, how can we make you happy? How can, how can we fix what's going on with you? You know, and the whole thing's about you. And then we get up in the morning, and we look in the mirror, looking at me. There I am, looking at me again. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look at the mirror, and I'm going to take a picture of me looking at me in the mirror. <laughs> I mean, our whole life is just focused on me. It's not enough just to look at me in the mirror. No, I want to look at me taking a picture of me on my phone. We live in a selfie generation, everybody, and it's getting out of control. It's all about me. It's all about me, Jesus. I'm coming back. Right. But it's all about, not Jesus, it's about, it's about Derek, all right? And so anyway, when that, so then, the, then that doesn't work. And so then the next thing we got to do get, to get happy, to get fulfilled, is we got to not find freedom, but find fame. Amen. Fame. A result of a result of the previous focus, will always lead you to, I want to be famous. I remember as a young man, I'm, I, I, I was one of these, you know, gym rats in a muscle and fitness magazine. I want to be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and I spent all this time in the mirror because I focused on me, and now I want me to be on the magazine. You, now, don't laugh at me because you guys have always, you all done something like this. You wanted to be an, an, an actor, a singer. Some of you thought you were going to be the next Beyonce. You thought you were going to be the next dancer. You thought you were going to be on American Idol. You're not going to be on American Idol. And if you do go on there, Simon's going to get you. Okay, everybody? So you can write that down, all right? And so what happens is after making it all about me and then trying to be famous, it leads to, instead of discovering your purpose, it's discovering a platform. I need a place where I can display me. I need a stage to display me, to, to do what I've discovered about me and what I think is so great about me. And, 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 and it leads us to very, very, very sad places. And, and in order for that to happen, now we don't want to make a difference. But to be able to get that platform, we have to make a dime. It's all about money now. And money comes in and it corrupts us and we move from, we want to go from fame to fortune. And, and what happens is you can go to a place, and I don't have time for this, where you're trying to get all the wealth in the world and you lose things like your health. You're trying to get all the money in the world and you lose your marriage and your kids and, and the things that really matter because the devil's offered you a counterfeit and you bought it hook, line, and sinker and he didn't give you what he told you he was going to give you. He took way more. It took way more than that. Is anybody with me? So I'm just trying to help you don't fall for the counterfeit. But when you understand the counterfeit, you can see the original. My dad used to always teach me with money. If you want to understand a, a counterfeit, be familiar with the original. Count the money. Count the money. Count the money. And then, oh, that doesn't feel right. Because I, because I, because I was familiar with the original, I could, I, I could detect. I want you to know the original so well, you can detect the counterfeit. But I'm trying to get you to see the counterfeit because the enemy will lie to you. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us this. I'm never going to get through all these notes, AVL, just so you know. Ephesians 1.17 says, Paul speaking. And Paul, like a pastor, prayed what I'm praying for you. I keep asking, he says. I keep asking. In other words, I don't ask once. That God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want you to have clarity. I want you to be able to see. I want you to be able to understand this on Vision Sunday so that you may know him better. Everybody say, know him better. So you might know him. Good for you. Then know him better. Do you know him 
better this year than you did last year? That's what God wants for you. I pray that the eyes of your heart, what, Paul? Your eyes are not on your heart. They're on your head. I pray that the eyes of your heart, no, he's actually brilliant. He's basically saying that people can see the same thing differently because of the condition of their hearts. Oh. See, some of you, you need to see things differently, not with the eyes of your head but with the eyes of your heart, that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you were called. Now that you've got these God glasses on and you can see things differently, you can suddenly see what you're called to. And notice that hope is always connected to calling. Hope is connected to calling. You need hope? Find your calling. I, I feel in despair. I feel depressed. I feel anxious. A lot of people, I'm not saying this is across the board and this is rough, maybe a little gruff to say this this way, but a lot of you wouldn't be depressed or anxious if you had purpose. Purpose protects you against those things because hope is connected to calling. When you have hope, you cannot, you cannot be depressed. And then it says, to which you were called the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So God has something for you, purpose, making a difference, not by yourself, but with other people. That's the plan. That's the strategy for our church. Are you with me, everybody? Yeah. And so, in a nutshell, I want you to, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what I told you, I'm going to tell you again. I want you to get to a place where you call this your home church. The win, you understand the win is to make a difference. That's the win, everybody. Help somebody. Help somebody besides you fulfill their vision. Uh, the next thing I want you to do, and, and, this, and, and science has realized this is the highest level of living. They call it transcendence, where you're, you're doing something that's just it's beyond salary. It's significance. You're doing something that is making a difference when people come together. We do that through our dream team. So when every time we're talking about a dream team, it's, it's people who have discovered their gifts. They get on a, a team that gives them the ability to release those. And we can get better at it. I'm not saying we're perfect at it. But if you're looking for a perfect church... Good luck. You know, and if there is one, invite me. I'll close this baby down. Okay? But I'm just trying to tell you, that's what we're trying to do, is give people a place to use their gifts on a team, everybody, and discover their purpose is going to be essential for that to even be able to happen. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 139, God created you in your inmost being. Inmost means your gifts, your skills, your talents, your motivations, your passions, and he knits you together in your mother's womb, and he ordained something for you to do, and it was written in his books. God has a story that he has written for you, and I don't I don't know what the story that you've bought. I don't know the narrative that you've heard from your parents or your father or your mother or a bad coach or an employer, but God has written your story. And your story is connected to finding the difference that God wants to use you in, discovering your gifts, and then getting free, everybody. Getting totally free. And you, by the way, you're unique. You're not one in a million. You're one of a kind. And, what, and we want to help you figure that out. That's what Next Steps is all about. And so we want to get people, you know, on a team. We want to help people figure out what their gifts are. And to, for that to happen, you got to go through Next Steps, everybody. And then how do you find freedom? We do that in community. We do that in groups. And there's like 400-something people in groups right now at Connect, okay? Amen. If you're not in a group, there's a lot of groups available. You should get in one. You say, well, I don't know anybody. 
That's what my daughter said. My daughter, wherever she is, she's in the back. She's coming out here in a second to lead worship. I'll, I'll, I'll end with this and then pray with you guys. My daughter, Morgan, when she was young, she wanted to do gymnastics, okay? And she'd never taken gymnastics before, but she wanted to be able to do, you know, the hoop-de-doops, you know, flip-a-loos, you know, all that kind of stuff. Go over this. And so I used to teach gymnastics, but I didn't want to teach my kids because I, I knew I'd get angry with them, so I decided I'm going to invest in somebody else so they could get angry with them. And so I take her to the gymnastics class, and I said, Morgan, I said, Morgan, it's time for you to go to class. She's, and she just, she just connects to me, just taps to me, and her, her face is like, I don't want to do it. And, and, I'm, and she, I'm like, Aah! just trying to peel her up, you know, and I peel her up, and I get down. I'm like, Morgan, Morgan, honey, this is what we talked about. You said you want to know how to do that. You told me you want to do that. And, she, and her face, five-year-old, she's like, in so many words, she's just saying, but they're not my people. And in so many words, I said, I paid for those people. They're going to be your people. Go. You know, no, go, no, go. And so they got all these apparatus at the gymnasium. You know, they got, you know, the cartwheels and the balance beams, you know, and the toe touch, you know, and she's going around. And she's going around real, real like, I don't want to be here. I'm like, go, go. I don't be here. And then this girl's like, hey, Morgan. And she's like, hey, you know, cartwheels, you know what I mean? And then she's like, Morgan, you did so good on the, I did? I did so good on the balance beam? Yeah, that was awesome. What's, what's your name? My name's Sally. Oh, Sally, will you be my friend? Yeah, I'll be your friend. Huh? You know, and she's going around. She's going, man, I like Sally. She's kind of nice, Dad, you know? And then I'm like, before you know it, they're like, whoa, hey, oh, this is so fun. This is incredible. Ah, whoa, somersault. Ah, dad, oh, this is incredible. These are an awesome dad. And then I'm like going around the backside. I'm like, honey, we got to go home. We got to go, no, I don't want to go home. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You need to get in a group and they will become your people. You just have to go around a few times. And you will grow. Are you with me, everybody? But none of that works. None of that works. As I tell you this, every which way but lose. Unless we know God. Would you stand on your feet and let me pray for you? All the campuses, I'm going to release you <laughs> at this time. God bless you, TC, Framingham, online. God bless you guys so much. I'm so out of breath. We help people find God and know God right here in our weekend services. We help people make a difference on a team. We help people discover their purpose and next steps. We help people find freedom in a group. And we help people find God, know God, right now, right here. So with every head bowed, every eye closed. No looking around, just giving God a moment to speak to whoever's here. I'll just say it like this. God can do more with your life than you can. God can do more with your life than you can. But for that to happen, you have to commit your life to Jesus. Are you fully committed? Do you, do you know him? Do you know him better? That's what God has for you, and according to Ephesians chapter 1 and following. And I would just say this, and again, a lot of pastors won't say this with every head bowed, every eye closed. I would rather you join Jesus than join my church. I would rather you join Jesus than join my church. I want to make sure you guys, you and, you and the Savior, you and the Lord, who will come back one day as a king, by the way, you guys are tight. You guys are in relationship. And so if you're here today and you've never formally... With, with an invitation presented to you, responded and said yes 
I want to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for that group first. Then I'm going to pray for the No Better group second. If you're here today and you've never given Jesus your life, you're not certain about that. This is an opportunity for you. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to make sure. I want to be certain. I don't want to go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Good and high. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Thank you for your courage. I'm proud of you. God's proud of you. Anybody else? Thank you. So good. Now, if you're here today and you'd say, I could know him better than I did last year. It's time for me to know him better. I, need, I want a deeper revelation of who he is. I want, to, I want to follow him more fully. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? I need to know him better. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. All over the room. God bless you. Thank you. In a, in a few seconds, we're going to speak the name of Jesus in worship. And I'm going to pray that God seal this prayer. But would you just pray this prayer with me? Just say this. Say, Jesus, today is a new day for me. Whether it's the first time ever or it's a refresh, I invite Jesus Christ into my life to be my Savior, the one who rescues me from my sin, and I needed that, and to be my Lord, the one I commit my life to. I desire today to follow your path, your steps, and to make a difference for you. I am a connector of the current of Christ. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap? For